All right. Welcome to week 17 of the Helped Podcast. And here's Matt with announcements. Oh boy, back where we started. I'm I'm dumbfounded. I don't <laughs> I don't think I have any announcements. It's kind of just back to the office life or we're back from the road. Nothing coming up the next couple weeks. So I, I think let's just get on with it. Yeah, sounds good. Um, we put up a post on LinkedIn that talked about aligning a, a company's goals with its customers' experiences. We thought that was really important because Obviously, any business wants to succeed. It succeeds because its customers are, are happy and continue being customers. So let's talk through those questions that a company needs to ask itself to make sure that it's going to succeed while keeping its customers satisfied. Okay, okay. So it looks like a list of five questions. You know, we love lists. How do you want to attack this thing? Well, how about number one? Oh. Does your company have a compelling vision that is linked to the brand's promise? Uh, yeah, it's okay, but what does that actually mean? And like, why does that matter? Well, so every company has something that it's trying to do, some, some goal, some objective. And I think you need to make sure that that goal and objective is kind of aligned with what you're offering. Uh, if your objective is to become the you know number one search engine in the world, you're trying to replace Google, then the brand promise needs to be valid search results. You know, if, if you're giving garbage results, then you're not really going to achieve that vision. Um, so you need that alignment to make sure that, that what you're doing is what you're setting out to achieve. Okay, so helps brand promise is, you know, that we're here when your customers need you, right? Yeah, I think our, our brand promise is that customer experience. We take care of your customers. We deliver that excellent experience to your customers, freeing you up to, to focus on finding new customers. So um, what's our vision that's linked to that? I mean, you know, I think our vision is to continue building expertise so that no matter what sort of business you have, when you have a customer that calls in with the problem, we can solve that problem, that they're getting an expert immediately. Totally. That, you know, that first ring phone gets answered and it's somebody on the other end who is an expert on whatever sort of problem they're having, and they can answer that. You know, our vision is to make sure that customers are quickly and supremely satisfied. Um, and our vision is to make sure that no matter what the technological subject matter, we have experts able to deliver. Yeah, it also helps that we're colossal nerds and really enjoy learning more about new stuff. Uh, you know, we mentioned it last week, right? Uh, Alex started getting deeper and deeper into the Palo Alto stuff. Uh, you know, it came up in conversation with one of our clients, and it was like, ooh, something new to learn. Uh, and then we just clobbered it, and we're all over it now. Yeah, so I think for us, we do have that vision that really links to our brand promise. We, we want to see that growth in, in expertise, and that'll ensure that our customers and our customers' customers are increasingly satisfied, that we're more and more able to deliver that solution immediately. For those customers. Awesome. So this one's going to be a shill episode then. Oh, absolutely. We don't talk oh, okay. about cool, ourselves cool, cool, much. Cool. So we, we might as well talk about all the great things. All right. Do. All right. Let's go to the next one. Uh, do you know what are the most important actions you need to take to improve customer experience? All right. So that seems straightforward, but how do you interpret that? Why does that matter? Oh, I mean, like, like the actions, the way that it's put when it says actions, you know, I'm thinking about what it actually is as opposed to now, you know, that vision that we were just talking about, it's what steps, what actions do I need to take that are going to be that improvement for the customer experience? A lot of table stakes, you know, a lot of people talk about what a good customer experience is, 
But like, what are those actual actions, right? Yeah? So what actions does helped take? Oh my gosh, it is a shill episode. So, I mean, I don't know. The fact that we're always available, uh, the fact that our, our ring tree, uh, you know, hits the right agents, the expert agent the first time, um, you know, the actions are, are really the things that, you know, like they say, speak louder than words. You know, it's happened already a couple times where, you know, we've we've heard that a customer is working on something and and we've started learning more about that. The action was, you know, studying up on that thing. Um, I keep going back to the Alex example of Palo Alto, but, you know, that's an action, right? I think that's exactly it. You know, because we do want to continue growing and, and adding our expertise, those are the actions that we can take. We talk about inverting the pyramid, making sure that when a customer calls in, they're getting an expert right away, not a call tree, not something where it needs to be a message taken or some sort of escalation, but rather somebody who can deliver a solution. And the key action for us to take is to expand our expertise base so that we can always offer that solution. Yeah, maybe we are more salesy than we think. You know, when somebody says something like, do you guys know this? Instead of saying, oh, no, sorry, we can't help you. You know, our immediate thought is, yes, how do we how do we get to know that? How do we get to the point where we can, you know, help you, that we can we can sell you on on us and our capabilities? Well, and I think we have the benefit that the, the nature of our helpsters, I think the nature of geeks maybe in general is that they like learning and they like learning about different things. Usually, even if someone is an absolute expert in one area, they tend to be somewhat knowledgeable in tangential areas. And, mm-hmm. and because we look for people with that expertise and that thirst for knowledge, we're, we're kind of ahead of the curve. So when somebody says, oh, hey, can you do this? Well, maybe the answer right now isn't yes, though, you know, as we grow, that's decreasingly the case. But even if the answer right now isn't yes, pretty soon the answer will be yes. So yeah. let's just stall for a minute until the answer is yes. <laughs> totally fair. All right. Question three. How can you take customer feedback to educate your employees? Oof. I mean, this one's my favorite. I, I think that for me, it's, it's that failing fast idea, right? Like, like the feedback doesn't always need to be negative. But when it is, it really gives you insight into what you're doing wrong and, and a real quick path to resolving that and, and fixing it and making it better for the future. Uh, any feedback that we get, you know, we look at it as a learning experience uh, we then learn ourselves and then, you know, try to implement some new processes or make changes that are necessary to, you know, to, to, to educate everybody else. Are there any specific examples of, of feedback? I mean, I guess in our case, there's feedback both of our clients and feedback from their customers. Mm-hmm. Anything to, to call out where we've taken some of that feedback and incorporated it? I mean, nothing that jumps out at me right away. Um, not that we're doing everything, you know, perfectly. It's just that we're in such a learning experience mode right now that, uh, you know, we're, we're getting the feedback and we're, we're rolling with it in, in such a way that it's, it's just not jumping out. To me. It's a constant feedback loop. So right. I think the one thing that jumps out to me is, is call time. So, mm. you know, we want to make sure that we are delivering a successful resolution as, as quickly as possible. Sometimes calls will drag on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a lot of troubleshooting that has to be done. Sometimes things just take a while to walk through all of the steps. Most of the time, our agents are able to reach resolution, but there are occasional times where we go through a series of steps, and regardless, there still needs to be some escalation. So the feedback that we got from one client is, if that's going to be the case, if we suspect there's going to need to be escalation, 
let's try to make those troubleshooting steps shorter. If we, if we really believe we're going to be able to make that resolution, then let's keep working at it. But if it, if it feels like something where we might have to escalate, then let's improve the customer experience by keeping it as short as possible before that escalation. We always hate to have to escalate. Yeah. Our instinct is always to want to solve the problem without needing to escalate. Um, but the client had a, a really valid point that there are going to be some times where just the nature of the position we're in, we, we need to escalate to somebody you know, on yeah. site, for instance. Let's do that quicker so that even though we're forcing the, the client's customer, the end customer, into that escalation, we're still solving the problem ultimately as quickly as possible. No, that, that's that's fair. I mean, it's the idea of uh, it being egoless. You know, of course we want to solve the problem, but if us escalating or or externally escalating means that the problem gets solved faster, then then that's what we're really after. You know, we don't need the win in our belt right then. We just need to get the the problem solved as soon as possible. All right. So then on to number four. Yeah. Can you put yourself in your customer's shoes to see what needs to change? Hmm. I. I, I hate to to call back to what you just said, but I, I mean, you, you just said it. You know, do we even need to talk about this one? Yeah, I mean, it it kind of feels a little bit the same as that last question. I guess to me, the the nuance is you're not always going to get feedback. Mm. It's great when the client and customer, whomever, comes to you and gives you feedback, and yeah. we know that it's valuable to reach out and solicit that feedback. But sometimes you're you're just not getting it. So I think the distinction between the last question and this is, can you put yourself in, in their shoes, obviously, as the question says, so that even without getting that feedback, you can understand what those pain points are. And I think that really ties in well with the last question, because what, what that means you're doing is anticipating mm-hmm. those problems and anticipating those pain points. And question five then is, can you anticipate risks in order to sustain the changes you make? So for me, that last question then means with that anticipation, you know, are you able to adapt? You're constantly improving your business, whatever the nature of your business is, you can't be stagnant or you won't survive. Are you able to, you know, anticipate where things might go positively or negatively? Do you recognize when you're making a change that there is some risk that it might not necessarily be a perfect solution? All right, so we're putting ourselves in the customer's shoes because we're we're all consumers in a similar way. We all, you know, receive support in some way or another. The the anticipation of risks comes from the experiences that we have and how we adapt to make them a better experience for our clients and our clients' customers. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. I mean, any business is going to have to evolve. Again, that's just the the nature of it. Even, you know, McDonald's is changing, expanding its menu. It's just the the nature of a business is to always be keeping up because there's there's always competition. You know, there are very, very, very few businesses that don't deal with competition. And the only way to to beat the competition is to, you know, improve your products, improve your offering, improve your reliability, whatever it is. So you need to be able to anticipate where that value is is going to be. Um, Bigger Mac. Exactly. The, the super, the double Big yeah. Mac. Yeah. And if you offer a double Big Mac, is it going to be a problem? Is it going to be too expensive for your target customers? Is it going to be too much food? Is it going to be literally too big of a burger so that people can't wrap their hands around it and fit it in their mouth? Mm. And, you know, maybe people really want a bigger Mac. Maybe you need to 
reshape it where it's not just one patty on top of another. Maybe you need a, a larger diameter burger so that it's easier to take small bites. Weird example, but I think that's exactly what it is. When you're, when you're evolving, when you're iterating, are you aware of what the problems might be so that you can you know, preemptively correct those and, and keep that improvement cycle moving rapidly? Yeah, makes sense. I'm going to send an email to my buddy Ronald. I think that's a good idea. Larger diameter hamburgers. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me once when I was, God, I was in, I was in college, and it was probably around the time when, um, you know, the food challenges were were a thing. I think it was mm-hmm. on Food Network or whatever the food TV station was there. It was, you know, the top ten biggest, craziest, whatever meals you can get in America, and one of them was this burger place that was just a couple hours away from us. Uh, so naturally, then the next day, a buddy of mine were a couple hours away getting burgers. It was a six-pound hamburger that, with all the fixings, was 11 and a half pounds. Gigantic bun, tub of mayo, ketchup, whatever. Biggest Mac. Problem was, it took three hours to cook, so they wanted you to call ahead to order it. We hadn't done that. So I had to settle for the three-pound burger mm. that was seven and a half pounds with all the fixings. I, uh, I actually did not. I finished the whole burger somehow. A little bit, little bit heavier back in the day. Uh, did not finish the whole bun. I think the issue was that I didn't plan well. So because of all the mayo and stuff, the bun kind of got soggy. The bun was actually delicious, but an hour in when I finished the burger and was, you know, trying to work on the bun, it just kind of got soggy and gross and and wasn't too appealing. Hmm. So I guess anticipating the risks is key even when you're overeating. Nobody likes a soggy bun. Exactly. All right. So on to our uh, our tech support story. Um, This one actually, I guess I say it it hit home a little bit for me. It it felt... um, you know, it, it's I, I felt a connection to this. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of just a feel-good story. You know, I can certainly relate to this one. I think anyone who's techie, anyone who's, you know, the, the, the geek of their household, of their family, um, probably can relate to this one a little bit. This is from uh, Reddit, from Reddit user ByteWave. Um, they say, my mom is sweet. She has this notion she shouldn't bother me unless it's important. So my phone rang last week while I was home for a day off. Mom says, you have a minute, honey. My internet doesn't work. Computer, the tablet. I was thinking maybe you could come have dinner and look at it. I bought some chicken, some nice cheese and wine. I'm going to bake up. So somewhere down this menu, issue was already fixed. Uh, Bitewave works at uh, Telco, has remote access tools. Saw that there was no valid IP, so he reset the modem, the router. Basically, it's renewable. Basic stuff happens every day. Everything else looked good. Boom. Magic. You're online, mom. Mom sounds a little disappointed. Whoa, oh, you're right. Wow, that was really fast. I guess I won't trouble you to come over then. Clearly, she was more excited for the prospect of the meal than the free tech support. But for her, it seems like, uh, you know, something has to be broken or, or there has to be a holiday for, you know, ByteWave to be troubled to hang out. Hey, I was promised a home-cooked meal. I'm happy to come anyway. Uh, that's fine. It's nice of you be to be polite, but I know you're busy. You don't have to. We can do this another time. Okay, let's do this the hard way. Go back into the tools. I deprovision the router. Oh, it's broken again, Mom, and it's going to stay that way until dessert. <laughs> oh, lovely. Shall we say 6 o'clock then? Oh, fantastic. I mean, literally, every time I'm over at my parents' house at this point, it's, oh, hey, D, I got some uh, some tech support questions. You know, usually after dinner, right before dessert. So I love it. I can definitely relate. 
All right. Well, then that's it for uh, week 17 of the Help Podcast. Vroom burger.